everyone. It's Megan with Wrong Kind of Christian Podcast. I hope you are all doing well today. I apologize if my voice sounds a little off today. Springtime is usually really hard on my allergies in general, but this crazy weather is really messing with me too. We went from over 80 degrees yesterday to about 30 overnight, so it's just crazy. But anyway, today we are moving into our third week of our study of Ruth. And I had someone comment on my blog yesterday. Um, if you guys aren't aware, I also have a blog and you can find it at wrongkindofchristian.com. And I've been taking these studies and just turning them into blog posts for those who would rather read the study instead of listening to it. So, you know, go check it out if you want to. But anyway, I had someone comment over there about how much they love the love in this book of Ruth. And we're talking about love from God, love from family and spousal love. And there's just so much truth in that. When we think about love in the Bible, we tend to think about God's love, of course, but there's also so much familial and friendly love. And while there are definitely some other examples of spousal love in the Bible, Ruth is one of the greats, I think. And, and so I love this, this book in general. But here in Ruth chapter three, we're going to start off today looking at the familial love between Naomi and Ruth. But towards the end, actually pretty, pretty quick, actually, we'll be looking at the love between Ruth and Boaz. So let's just start reading in chapter three, verses one, and then the very first part of verse two. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you, where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Okay, some translations say, I must find security for you. And, you know, it's still not a great translation. The Hebrew word here that they would use for security or for home is actually the same word that they would use for rest. So, so maybe home is the best wording. Hopefully, when you think of home, you think of both rest and security, a place where, you know, you feel comfortable and, and protected and safe. So basically, we see that Naomi is, again, just she's trying to provide for Ruth. And I say again, because we read their conversations from chapter one a couple of weeks ago when Naomi tried to convince Ruth to stay back with Orpah in Moab and, and to find someone from her own nation to marry. She was trying to look after their best interests, which, you know, is exactly what someone in a motherly position would do for their child. Before we start diving into this romantic relationship between Boaz and Ruth, because we're about to, honestly, we're about to read some pretty weird things, at least in our views today, let's take a minute to talk about dating in the 1100-ish BC era. It certainly doesn't look like dating today. It seems like this chapter is coming after the end of the harvest season. So that means that Ruth and Boaz have had several weeks together where they were working the harvest together. That doesn't mean that they had like paired off together or that they had gone on quote unquote dates together or anything like that. But think of it more like a courting type of scenario. Although honestly, if, you, if you're like me and you were a teen in the 90s and you read the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, that's a really bad example of what courting in, in this era would have looked like. So maybe courting's the wrong word. It's not the same thing. But either way, this is, this is where my mind goes. So I had to really wipe my mind clean of all my preconceived ideas of relationship building and, and try to look at this with fresh eyes. Boaz and Ruth would have spent time together, but only in the context of a group setting. She was working with his workers. So we can assume that basically, you know, she saw him at work. She might've seen him out and about in the community um, outside of work, but, but they spent a, most of their time together at work. And we know from the last chapter that Ruth was getting some special treatment from the get-go. So aside from just time spent together while working, they, at least according to the last chapter, they ate their lunch together as well. You know, you can really get to know a lot about a person from working and eating with them. 
that's so opposite of what typically happens in the dating game today, isn't it? I mean, the fact that we call it a dating game probably says a lot, but people tend to put on their best selves when they're dating. You show the other person the best side of you, you know, you're trying to impress them. And it's only after a long while spent dating someone that you get to see some of the realness, I guess, of a person. What frustrates them? What do they do when they're angry? How do they respond in conflict? All of those things are, are things that just aren't always made known during the dating phase of any relationship. Now, switch your lens. Think of your coworkers. When you're working with someone on a job, it's easier to see the person for who they really are because the focus isn't on making you like them, but is instead on getting the job done, right? That's where Ruth and Boaz were. Boaz got to see Ruth working hard out in the sun, day in and day out, laboring to gather food for her family to provide for them. It's not easy work, so I'm sure there were moments of frustration for her. Moments where she was probably, you know, maybe less than pleasant. Moments where she was definitely stinky and dirty. And moments where she was just tired and and over it, you know. And Ruth got to see Boaz lead his workers. I'm sure that they weren't perfect in their jobs. And he may have had to make corrections from time to time. He may have had to deal with conflict. He may have been tired, stinky, and less than pleasant himself. But they saw each other in realistic terms. And in spite of those realities they were still drawn to each other. So thinking back to the verse we just read and what we're about to read, in our eyes today, it's going to seem like Naomi was setting Ruth up in some kind of a trap to ensnare Boaz, you know, but that's not what's happening. Before we read, let's think back to that guardian redeemer that we've been talking about. Do you remember what that is? A guardian redeemer is enacted when a woman is widowed before having a male child. That person, the guardian redeemer, is a male relative, usually a brother, but in this case, Ruth's brother-in-law was also deceased, so someone else in the line, who marries the widow and carries on the family line with her. Naomi is reminding Ruth that Boaz is amongst those who can be this guardian redeemer for her. Let's read the second part of verse 2 through verse 5. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. Good answer, Ruth. I love this section of the scripture because it just shows how much men have always been men, you know, just like women have always been women. And, and Mama Naomi, she knows what she's talking about. So she gives Ruth some very simple advice. Get clean, smell nice, don't interrupt him while he's eating. Perfect, right? That's it. That's all we need to know. I, I know that there's more to it than that, but what a great start. In all seriousness, we're about to enter the world of controversy here. And when we read those verses, I don't know about you, but my mind goes, whoa, wait a minute. That's, that's pretty provocative for Old Testament times, right? So she's basically telling Ruth to go in and offer herself unmarried to the man. Well, that's not what's happening here. Remember, we're somewhere between 1000 and 1200 BC. And in that time, what Naomi is telling Ruth to do was understood to be an act of, here's the part that some of you aren't going to like, total submission. I know a lot of people raise their hackles up when they hear that word, but it is what it is. That's what she was doing. Just a quick side note, if you're really interested in learning more about that word submission, especially in regards to a marital relationship, you can go to my blog, again, wrongkindofchristian.com, and check out an article that I wrote titled, Wives Submit, Yes, Really. 
and you know what, I'll even tag it in the show notes for you so you can just quick find it if you're really interested in, in understanding that word submission. But basically, Naomi is instructing Ruth to come to Boaz in a very humble way. That's it. Guys, think back to who Ruth is at her core. She has had a great attitude this entire time. Remember when she approached the supervisor of the field to ask if she could gather there? He was already impressed with her, not only with her humility, but also with her work ethic. And while this is a humble gesture, remember, what Ruth was doing was claiming a right. It was a right. Ruth had the right to expect that Boaz would marry her and have children with her because of his role as a guardian redeemer. That was an expected and accepted custom of the Israelites at the time. However, Ruth, you know, she didn't come at him like that. They had built a relationship through many weeks of working together, and Ruth came to him humbly, trusting that Boaz would continue to be the good man that he had proven himself to be and that he would do what is right. Verses 6 through 7 say, So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Okay, that's it. Well, quick, quick answer to why Boaz was sleeping at the threshing floor to begin with. Remember, this is the days of the judges, which means often the nation of Israel was in a time of unrest, like political and religious during this time frame, much like, much like we kind of are today. It wasn't necessarily uncommon for thieves to come and take the crops in the dark of the night. And so Boaz stayed to guard his harvest. He was just protecting his, his investments. I've always kind of thought it was a bit strange that Ruth didn't really give him any kind of warning that she was there. Scripture says that she just went in very quietly and followed her mother-in-law's advice. Quick note, you know, don't do this today. I, I guarantee you the man will not take it as well as Boaz did. <laughs> Let's see how he reacts. Verses eight through nine say, in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. I can only guess how startled Boaz actually was. Remember, he's there to guard against thieves. So I wonder if he, you know, his first thought was, one of the thieves had fallen asleep at his feet. Can you imagine what that must have been like for him? You know, you went to bed alone and you do that kind of waking up thing where you're not really awake, but you you wake up just enough to kind of roll over and get settled again. And suddenly Boaz realizes he's not alone. And of course it's dark and you can't actually see who is next to you. She's lucky that he didn't fight first and ask questions later. Ruth, though, she was quick to answer. And, and thankfully, you know, Boaz asked questions first. And here's the big move. Remember, they've grown to know each other, and we know that Boaz is fond of her. He's been giving her extra food from the very beginning, and now even as she's coming to him so humbly, Ruth makes a very bold move. The phrase, spread the corner of your garment over me, sounds more like she's propositioning him for sex to me, but in those days, this was a really a culturally relevant way, and Boaz would have understood her to be saying, I'm a widow, marry me. Yep, she just put it out there crazy, right? In fact, the act of spreading a garment over someone is still sometimes used ceremonially in Arab countries today. It's basically saying this person belongs with me now and is under my protection. So basically, Ruth has told him that she recognizes him as the guardian redeemer of her husband's family, and she wishes for him to uphold his end of that. I wonder what Boaz thought when he heard that. Like, was he expecting it? Did he know it was coming? 
The next few verses kind of give us a little bit of insight. Verses 10 through 11 say, The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. So yeah, we can get a little bit of insight in these verses. Boaz must have been a little bit older than Ruth, old enough that he assumed that there would be no attraction there, and he had pretty much ruled out any romantic notions. I laughed a bit when I read this because my husband is 10 years older than me, and you know, that's not such a great age distance, but it does make for some interesting conversations at times. Like, he'll start talking about something from his childhood, expecting me to understand, and I end up kind of just looking at him like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Or vice versa, sometimes, although he usually knows what I'm talking about, he just, you know, thought it was silly or whatever. But I do like to pick on him about it. And, you know, from time to time, I may call him old man. But I wonder how those conversations went for these two. Not only is there apparently an age difference, but they're also from two very different cultural backgrounds. Ruth is adjusting to life with the Lord, but her childhood you know, that was a a Moabite raising. So I'm sure that it still had an impact on who she was and and how she, you know, kind of got along in the world. Either way, these verses, uh, they tell us a, a couple of good things about this couple too. Boaz, for his part, he knew that he was a guardian redeemer. And though he liked Ruth, he wasn't gonna force himself on her. He was willing to allow her to find someone that she found attractive, whether that was physical or personality, whatever. And for Ruth's part, she was highly esteemed in the community. That says a lot for a Moabite woman in Judah. And I'm sure some of it had to do with her dedication to Naomi and making that trek back with her. And some of it may have been influenced by her willingness to work to provide for both Naomi and herself. The word Boaz uses here, they really refer to a virtuous woman. And I know I've compared her to the impossible standards of a Proverbs 31 woman before, but I think we see it again here. Everyone saw her as a woman of good character, and that was attractive to Boaz. You know, the older I get, the more I appreciate the fact that we really have no idea what Ruth or Boaz, for that matter, what they looked like. We don't know. But what we do know about them, what was found to be attractive to the other person, is all about who they are as people. Godly, noble, virtuous, faithful, loyal, hardworking. I feel like this list could kind of go on and on, but but I think it's a good lesson for us. In this world where physical appearance is deemed so important, what do you focus on? What do you appreciate about other people? What do you appreciate about yourself? And what do you focus on within yourself? Do you spend hours trying to get the perfect look just so that you can use a beauty filter to make you appear more beautiful and quote unquote pretty? Or do you spend your time doing things that make you a better person? You know, one of the verses that I've been clinging to lately is at the beginning of 1 Peter. It's actually 1 Peter um, verses 3 through 5. And it says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. I just love that. I so want to be a woman of a gentle and quiet spirit. Ruth embodies that to a T, doesn't she? Let's strive for that. Unfortunately for Ruth and Boaz, there's a bit of a situation. And Boaz is Boaz to his core, a man of honor. So let's, let's finish it up and let's see what's going on. 
It's a big chunk, so we'll, we'll break it down at the end. Verses 12 through 18. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. All right. I know that was a big section. So let's break it down for our own understanding. So the problem, there's another guardian redeemer who is apparently closer in the familial line than Boaz was. Not typically a big deal if you're following the guardian redeemer role out of obligation, but these two actually have something going on. They like each other. So while we can look at it and rest easy because we know the ending, they didn't. What we do see here is a beautiful trust in the Lord on Boaz's part. Not that Ruth didn't, but Boaz has displayed trust in the Lord before. Remember, he stayed during the famine and was rewarded because he did so. And here, Boaz is trusting that God's way is the best way, and that if the Lord deems it to be, it will be. So he's following that line, just like God would want him to. Boaz, though, wanted to be able to go talk with the closer guardian redeemer himself without him knowing about Ruth's bold moves. So he asked that no one talk about the fact that Ruth showed up at the threshing floor overnight. In our eyes today, that just kind of cements our thoughts that this was a scandalous situation, but it really wasn't. He just wanted to be able to tell the guy the story himself. So he sends Ruth home, not empty handed, and tells her to wait. You know how much I love to include some of the traditional elements of the stories for you guys. So there is a Jewish tradition that says that Boaz gave her six handfuls of grain to symbolize six wonderful men who would come from their union, David, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, who we would know better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and of course, our Messiah, Jesus. Interesting, right? Something else I love to see here is the caring relationship between Naomi and Ruth. I know that people love to tell mother-in-law horror stories, but where are the stories celebrating wonderful mother-in-laws? This is clearly a time of major anxiety for Ruth. And though she did so very appropriately, she basically just declared herself to Boaz and he reciprocated the feelings. And now they have to go through another step. Someone could step in and say that they want to fulfill the guardian redeemer duty. So while Ruth is full of anxious waiting, Naomi comforts her with the reassurance that Boaz will work quickly and she'll know soon enough. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm in waiting periods that aren't usually as serious as who I'm going to be married to, I tend to cling to things of comfort. I'm sure that Ruth clung to Naomi, but I also bet that they spent some time in prayer. Of course, they didn't, they didn't have the scripture to, to guide them, but Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful that we have these verses to tell us what to do when we're feeling anxious today. If you find yourself in situations that are out of your comfort zone, 
times when you are full of anxiety or maybe even just in fear of what the future may hold, I pray that you hold these verses close to your heart. Cling to God and let him know what's going on with you and, and what you hope the outcome is. Yes, he already knows, but he wants to have a relationship with you. And that means that he wants the back and forth with you. He wants to be there for you. So let him, let him be there. Next week, we're finishing up our study of Ruth. And, you know, we already know the ending, but I wonder if we have a good understanding of the implications of all that happens. God's hand was truly on this whole situation. We'll take a look at that closer next week, and I will talk to you all then. Bye, guys.